Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, ops team. Thank you, trailer team. We love you guys. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, we're grateful as we gear up heading into the fall for your ministry. It's because of you that we're able to see much of what God has been doing. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. Um, but before we get into today's message, as Cindy mentioned, I actually want to take a few moments to start our time in prayer. There's just been so much going on in the world, which feels like the refrain of life these days. But just for perspective, I was talking to someone this last week, and I said, hey, isn't it so crazy what's happening? And I was in my mind thinking of a particular tragedy that was going on. And uh, she responded, oh, yeah, and she named another tragedy. I said, oh, no, not that one. I, was actually, I, was referring, I wasn't thinking of that one. She said, oh, you mean this other one? And I was like, actually, not that one either. And we had a moment of like, man, we got to be praying. Um, so let's, let's pray, and then, then we'll get into the scripture here. Uh, Father, our hearts are just breaking for what's going on around the world, uh, for what's going on in Afghanistan. Lord, would you please intervene? protect and care uh, for, for the women and girls there uh, who, whose lives have changed overnight in more ways than one. And Father, would you please intervene, protect and care for the Christians whom we know through mutual friends over there are literally running for their lives and the many others who are, who are in the same, same situation. Father, would you please be with, with our veterans who are really struggling right now? I was just reading an article even just this morning of veterans who are just trying to make sense of the loss, pain, confusion, frustration. And then, Father, our hearts break for what's happening in Haiti. Just the, the earthquake there, just taking the lives of thousands of, of, of people. Father, our hearts break for countries especially Im impacted by the virus. Our hearts break for the many wildfires that are raging around the world and, and here in our own state. Father, we, we know in your, in your word it says that uh, tragedies and natural disasters uh, would only increase as time presses on. So none of this is, is surprising. But we, we do ask that you would intervene according to your will to provide healing and comfort. And Lord, most of all, as followers of yours, we pray that in these places and, and all around the, and the, the globe for your gospel to break through, for people to hear, see, and receive what Jesus has done for them on the cross. And Father, please help us as a church be a conduit for your love here in the Silicon Valley and from here, uh, wherever we can be with our resources, with, with our prayers, with our lives, even as we're looking into certain different contexts and those conversations are happening, would you please lead in all of that? We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much that in Christ we have all that we need. Please bless now this time as we look to your word. Would you please speak to each of us and change us from the inside out? We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of our values here at Current is to be outward focused. That is to fight to not become inward focused. It seems to me that over time, groups of people, organizations, churches included, can increasingly become about just meeting their own needs. Now, as a church, we're committed to meeting needs in the church. That's an important part of, of our ministry. But it can't be at the expense of reaching outward or meeting the needs of those around us, being mindful of them. So we have to be vigilant to be and remain outward focused. Why? Because it was a, ministry, it was a value that Jesus held, as we'll see today, and a value he wants us to hold. And I think this is especially important right now as we're coming out of a pandemic. Because many of you know, many of you have experienced the last year and a half or so of harder times, of hard times, with the loss, 
with the pain, with the isolation that you've been experiencing, but how much more so are there folks out there wrestling with all the things that have been hard this last year, but they aren't tethered to a community, or they don't have a love, warm community that can come around them necessarily, let alone have the eternal hope of Jesus Christ. Current family, I think this is all the more a time when we need to have God's eyes and ears and love for those around us. If, if there was ever a time to have this, it's, it's now, because right now, coming out of the pandemic, it's going to be easy to just, quote, get by. It's going to be easy just to check in and catch up with those whom we know and haven't seen for a while, which is good and right, but it can't be at the expense of seeing those around us or coming into our midst. And we need to be careful not to only focus on our own thoughts or giving thoughts only, only to self or our innermost circle right now, but, but thinking about others. As we continue in the book, book of Luke, which is what we've been going through the last uh, several weeks, we see clearly again that Jesus has this outward focus as a major value of his, and it's one he wants us to have. That's why we're calling this series The Art of Neighboring, thinking about those around us and our mission, our call to reach them, to love them, to care for them. At the end of Luke 4, which we just finished, we saw that Jesus was saying no to the crowd when they were coming and asking him for more help and more care. He said, I can't stay with you. In fact, he said these words, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues throughout Judea. Well, now in chapter five, we see a bit of a shift in Luke's telling of the narrative here. We see him, uh, we see Jesus' shift of a ministry of multiplication, how he wants not only to be out there doing ministry, but he wants to do ministry through his followers. He wants to have a multiplying effect. This is the great calling of the disciple section in Luke's gospel, uh, the calling of his main 12 students, giving them and through them, giving us the same mission to be outward focused, which can be summarized at the end of our text when he calls them to be, very famously, fishers of people, to go out and catch people. What does that mean, and what does that look like? Well, that's what our focus is going to be today. We see here several ways how Jesus shows us, models for us, how we can be outward focused in the same way. Okay, so Jesus in this text shows us several ways how we can be outward focused. Number one, simply put, we see that Jesus went. He went out into the world. I look at verses one and two again. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that is another name for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. This is a change of scene for Jesus. He is spending a lot of his time, most of his time, at least as Luke has been telling it to us, in the synagogues. That's our version of church today. He was there at the gathering of God's people for worship, and he was preaching. He was sharing the word of God there. That was a primary method for him to reach out and, and love and care for others. But here we're told that he really went out into the world. Specifically, we're told that he went to the water's edge there at the lake, at the Sea of Galilee. And he saw the fishermen out there washing their nets. That's to say that they were at the end of their days, were actually end of their night's work. Uh, fishermen go out at night. That's the time when fish are actually out because during the day, if you, if you know, it's hard to catch fish because they can't go too close to the surface. The ray of the sun's, uh, the, the sun's rays really kind of hurt their, their little eyeballs, so they go down deep. Fishermen go out at night. So these guys were finishing up. They were probably really tired. They were probably really frustrated because, what well, we'll find out here in a little bit, they didn't really catch anything that night. And up rolls Jesus with this crowd in tow. 
out by the lake at the water's edge. Jesus went. He didn't just spend his time at church doing his ministry there. He saw the great importance of doing ministry there, but he also went out into the world. In other words, he wasn't waiting for people to come to him. In fact, if you think about this story in its greater context, what we'll see, I believe, is that Jesus wasn't just stepping out into this boat so that he could have greater reach to talk to the crowds. It seems to me this text is showing us that he, his, his mind and heart were actually more, not for the crowd, but for Peter and his fishermen buddies who were never going to show up necessarily at the synagogue to hear him. He went to them. And in doing so, he's modeling how we can be outward focused. Jesus went. The great commission, the great commission or the great mission that Jesus gave to his disciples and through them to, to all of his followers uh, today, the great mission he said at the, at, right before he went back to heaven was, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The very first word is, therefore, go. Not therefore, hold tight. Therefore, wait for people to come to you. It's therefore, go, get out there. And then in Acts 17, the apostle Paul put it this way. He said, from one man, God made the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Among different things here, what this is saying, Christian friends, most of all, is that uh, God has been very purposefully placing you where you are, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, uh, where your kids go to school. He was very intentional. Why? So that those around you might have the opportunity to hear about his love and perhaps receive it. The question then becomes, are you living sent? Are we living sent? Uh, we're in this series we're calling The Art of Neighboring. There's a book out there by the same title. This is not a series based on that book. Uh, I read it a few years back. It's a good book. I just like the concepts. So we're kind of importing it. But there is a helpful uh, grid that the authors of that book, Pathak, Runyon, and Frazee, give that I would like to throw on the screen. It's kind of a, a they call it a block map. And you, as you can see, it's kind of straightforward. But if that's your home in the middle, who are your neighbors around you? And immediately when I put up a block map like this, I have to recognize in the Silicon Valley, most folks' maps don't look like that. I mean, if you're in a complex like, like ourselves or whatever, you might actually have a three-dimensional map if you're going to do this for yourself. Uh, you can make this work for you, but you kind of take this, you put yourself, in fact, we gave you a three-by-five card as you came in. It was kind of snuck in there underneath your connection card. If you want to look at that, you can even make a grid. And the idea here is thinking about yourself in the concept of your neighborhood or, and actually, <laughs> In the, the workplace, I'd encourage you to think about it in that way, in terms of who's around you, where they're at. And I would just start with the question, in terms of thinking about our, our neighborhood and being outward and focused, just starting with, do you know your neighbor's names? And do this with grace, by the way. Don't feel bad if you don't yet know them, even if you've been there for a little bit of time. But do you know their names? Uh, what are their names? In the earliest of days, we used to think, do you, and do you know their, their, the color of their sofa? Uh, you can't really do that in the pandemic. I can't figure that kind of information out. But do you know their names? And just start with that thought. Uh, I'd encourage you to use this card. You can put it up on your fridge. Cindy and I have done this in the past. If nothing else, just walking by or grabbing some milk, I see this thing and I'm reminded of this value Jesus wants me to hold, and that is living scent. That's the first way Jesus models for us this outward focus. He went. Number two, we see he was purposeful. 
Look at verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon. By the way, this is also the disciple known as Peter. He's often referred to as Simon or Peter or Simon Peter. Uh, if you hear me saying Peter, that's who I'm talking about. He, Jesus got into this boat of Simon's and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. I love how Luke is setting the scene here. It's as if, according to Luke's retelling of these events, that Jesus just rolled up to Peter and said, hey, yo, I'm about to use this boat. Make it happen. It's, it's a done deal, right? And he just kind of goes out on the boat. And we all know the reason why Peter undoubtedly did this is because, you know, he had great respect for this man of authority and, and renown. Uh, he, he probably saw it with, as, as a great honor to let Jesus out onto the water. But for his part, Jesus was being very purposeful in his interaction with Peter. He's being very intentional. Again, I think if you look at this text, Jesus is not thinking so much about getting the acoustics from being out on a boat and preaching to this crowd, but rather he's thinking even more so about Peter and the, his fishermen buddies. It says in verse four, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water. Let's go out, let's go out a little further, Peter. What we're seeing here is Jesus getting ready to call these disciples, Peter among them, to be, quote, fishers of people. But first, Jesus is fishing for them. Do you see that? And he's modeling for them, for us, what this means as he gives them this call. And how did he go about doing this? Well, he went, and then we see here also that he was very purposeful. He was very intentional about looking for an in with folks. So Peter, let's, let's set out. Let's go out further in the boat. Let's spend some time together. Cindy is incredibly gifted at this. That's one of the things I love most about her, but she's constantly looking for ways to love and care for others in big ways and small. I think I've shared this before in the past, but one of the ways she's been doing this very creatively during the pandemic is through making ice cream. Very early on in the pandemic, friends from uh, our local school uh, let us borrow their ice cream maker, and we just we almost broke that thing we were using. Well, Cindy almost broke that thing. She was using it so much. So I figured, okay, I'm not very good at getting gifts, but I think I know a gift when I see one. So next special occasion, I'm going to get her that gift. And sure enough, you know, we did that. Now she's just been using this all the time. It's on all the time. And you know what's easy for me to see? Cindy has a sweet tooth, but the reason she loves having an ice cream maker maker is not so much so she can eat ice cream, which she, which she does enjoy. It's so that she has an opportunity to look to care for others. She's just like, oh, I get, to, do you like ice cream? It's like, when does somebody say no to that? You know, she's just like, I get, I'm bringing you ice cream. What kind of ice cream? Oh, I've never made that flavor, but I'm going to figure it out. All our neighbors have had like multiple cartons of their choice of, of ice cream flavor. And it's just a wonderful way for her to, have, for her to be intentional, purpose, purposeful with those in her life, in our lives. And it's an opportunity for, us, for her to just open up conversations to see how they're doing, let alone during the pandemic, where it's like hard to kind of meet folks or cross that barrier. What's your way of getting in with folks, if I could put it that way? If you look again at that block map and you think about the grid, how can you live purposefully with your neighbors, with the folks next to you in the workstation? If you don't know their names, let's start there. How could you get to know their names? If you do, what could you do to be purposefully intentional in their lives to build a relationship with the hopes of, hopes of getting to the place of being able to share God's love with them and care for them? Before the pandemic, there was a couple at Current. I thought they had such a creative, awesome idea that they carried out. They held in their neighborhood a wine and cheese party. 
They threw a wine and cheese party, invited their nearby neighbors over to it, had a blast. A ton of folks came over. For, who's going to say no to that, right? They came over and hung out. And what they discovered at that wine and cheese party is that folks living across from each other, so other neighbors who came out to their event, who had been living across from each other for over a decade, had never met each other, or at least like knew, didn't know each other's names. So they're meeting each other, having a good time doing that. That's a win-win, by the way. You get to have a wine and cheese party, like make friends and hope to share the love of God through serving people and through relationship. Cindy and I in the past have done dumpling parties. I love to do dumpling parties. It's kind of a novel thing that people like to do. And, uh, you know, even if folks are from, you know, a, a culture where they grew up making dumplings, they have fun doing it too because, you know, then they're teaching us actually how to do it better and all that. Well, I should say myself. Um, but it's just a great way to just have people over. Obviously, we need to be a little bit more creative during pandemic times and coming out of the pandemic, but there's different ways to be thinking about that. How could you live purposely with the people God has placed around you in the different places that you work or live? So in modeling for us how to be our focus, Jesus went, he was purposeful, and then next we see he modeled faith. Check out verses four and five. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Peter, put into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. <laughs> but because you say so, we'll let down the nets. Now you could just imagine what Peter was probably thinking about or feeling in this moment, right? I mean, you can almost hear it in his words. Out of respect and honor for Jesus, he went through with this whole thing. We've covered that. But you had to be thinking when he was first asked this by Jesus, he was probably thinking, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. How are you, a rabbi teacher, going to tell me, a professional fisherman, what to do? Right? I, I grew up on boats. We'd go out on boats from time to time. And I've been in the scene enough to understand that boaters, boatsmen, and people who like understand the sea really see life through two categories of people. People who love and understand water and boats and all that, and people who don't. Of course, you've probably heard the term that they use for these folks. They're called land lovers. Okay? And actually, if you read throughout history, that's how people of the, of the sea see people of the land. And there's a reason for that. I mean, if you go out on the sea and you're trying to get on a boat and do all this sort of thing, like there's a certain level of intuition that you just have to learn. Like you just have to experience. And if you're just coming straight from, from the land, uh, you're not going to be able to figure out right away. And that's just, that's just how it goes. So I, you can imagine, I mean, Peter doesn't know who Jesus is really kind of, you know, he's, for all he knows, he's a rabbi, he's a teacher. He's like, who's this land lover going to tell me how to go out and fish? Doesn't he realize we just were out there all night when, by the way, that's when you're supposed to go and we didn't catch anything. Now he's telling us to go during the day when the fish aren't out and he's throwing this little extra thing of casting on the other side. Dude, the boat's not that big. It's not like it's a big deal. Which side, right? I mean, all this stuff probably is going through his head. He wants to get home, but he loves and respects Jesus. Doesn't say any of that. <laughs> I just said, I mean, it kind of comes out a little bit what he says, but he goes along with it. And of course, and of course, what happens is they follow Jesus' instruction, and they not only catch fish, they catch so many fish that they have to signal over another boat that when both boats are reeling in this massive catch, they both start to sink. It's so crazy. And it's all, to all of these professional fishermen, there's no doubt in their minds, this is insanely miraculous. They're just blown away. They're like, I, this is crazy. But here's what I want us to check out. Peter's response. Because if I were Peter, 
or if I'm just thinking about Peter's situation, I think he probably would have come back with something like, Peter, uh, excuse me, Jesus, how did you do that? Like, how did you pull that off? But that's not uh, Peter's response. Check out how he responds in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I love how the old King James says it. Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. How did he get to that conclusion? Like, what? Why didn't he just come back? Like, how did you do that? No, there's something else going on. What was that? Have you ever been around somebody who's so good at something, it's like equal parts awe-inducing and equal parts like terrifying? Like they're so good at something you do that's just like, whoa and whoa, right? I used to play baseball. Baseball is my life growing up. In fact, I'm trying to learn how to like not be overbearing with my son, with my competitive juices, and I'm a work in progress here. It's like, oh, uh, it's like so much of my identity. And I think I'm, yeah, anyway, so it's like, yeah, but that was my life. And I was okay at it. I was being recruited for, to play college ball and all that sort of stuff. So I was playing on like these, these travel ball teams, playing at some, you know, some, some high levels. And most, like just all the time when I was going out there, I'd look around, you know, all the players are playing. All right, I can hang. We can hang, right? We're good. But then I came across this one team. And I'm like, man, these guys are so good. Like they were so good. And I was just watching how good they were. And in like, in a moment, I thought, wow, this is incredible to watch because knowing the game, I was like, man, this is really fun to like see their skill. And at the same time, and I think the end of the road is there for me. <laughs> I think I'm done. Have you ever experienced that when you've, you've come across somebody so good at something that you do that you're just like, it's equal parts attractive, equal parts like repelling? Or maybe it's someone who's really attractive, or maybe it's somebody who's like wicked smart, whatever it is. It's just like so, like when you're in their presence, you're like, how much more true would it be if you were in the presence of God? Peter there, like miracle aside, it's crazy that was, was not blown away by the miracle in that moment. He was blown away with the person of Jesus. His perfect goodness, kindness, holiness, righteousness, and he's like, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. And you know what? That's one half of the gospel. I've heard the gospel described in, in one part. It's, it's, the gospel is we are more sinful than we ever dared imagine. Peter got that right. If you come into the presence of God, okay, let me put it this way. The more you understand God and his word, like truly kind of understand it, not just at the head level, but also at the heart level, the more you understand of yourself, I'll just say it myself, the more I understand how far I missed the mark and how sinful I am. God is just so perfectly holy and righteous and, and good. And you know, we have no indication from this text or otherwise that Peter was like not a, you know, outstanding guy. Like he wasn't some weird or like really jacked up dude in our eyes. But, but Peter, even still, even quote unquote, the best of us are like, when you, when you come to, into the presence of God and understand who he is and what is, you'll just be blown away with how we miss the mark. Depart from him, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. The front half of the gospel, it's been said, is we are more sinful than we ever dared imagine. But the second half is, and we are also more loved, more forgiven than we ever dared hope. And what Peter was failing to see when he said, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinner. He got it right in the sense of he didn't deserve to be in Jesus' presence. But what he didn't understand, what he failed to see is that Jesus had come to him. Jesus went to Peter. 
Same is true for, for you. Jesus goes to you. And it's not like P Jesus showed up to Peter and said, got there, and was like, oh, wait, from this close, this guy's, you're not worthy, okay? You don't, you don't live up to the standards. I, I do need to depart. Sorry. Jesus wasn't surprised. He knew that, knows that. Came to Peter, and here's what's crazy. He didn't just come and say, I'm not, not only am I not going to leave, I'm going to call you to be a follower of mine for the next three years. We're going to be close, and I'm going to put you on my mission. But even more importantly, Jesus came to die for him, for his sins, and for yours and for mine. Now that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. So therefore, the great miracle of this story is not the fish being caught on the other side of the boat during the, middle, uh, during, during the day. That's not the miracle here by any stretch. That's cool. It's awesome. That's not the miracle. The miracle was Peter in this moment was open to receiving the love of God. Help, the help of Jesus, salvation in him. That was a miracle. And as Jesus modeled faith for them, for us, in saying, hey, why don't you go cast out that, that, that boat on the other side? And man, that would, that would be hard to like invite someone to do. That would take faith. We get the opportunity to, in faith, invite people into a relationship with God. The gospel can be summarized in really four parts. If you want to break it down, and this is from you know working with uh, a para ministry called Crew. They, they call it the four spiritual laws. If any of you guys are familiar with it, but it's just the four thoughts, and it's kind of helpful. Number one, God created us to be in relationship with Him. God created us to be in relationship. But number two, we rejected Him and His ways, and along with that, the consequences of death came into this world, and not just physical death and, and entropy and pain and, and loss that we, that we experience regularly, but spiritual death. Most importantly, being separated from our relationship with God. But number three, God didn't want to leave us there, so he sent his son into this world to die on the cross for our sins. That number four, we can receive, and we have to receive it. Something he offers. He's not going to force on us. If we receive him as Savior and Lord, someone who saves us because he's died on the cross for our sins and who is our Lord, that is to say he's our, our ruler. And over the years, I've had the opportunity, by God's grace, to be able to share this gospel message with any number of different people. And it's kind of uncanny. The, the place where it seems to me takes the most faith, on my part at least, is that last little part. And going and extending an invitation. And do you want to receive that? Because they may say no. But if we don't ask, they don't also get the opportunity to, in that moment, say yes. Jesus went, he was purposeful, and Jesus modeled faith. Jesus was on a mission to bring Peter into something infinitely greater than he could ever have hoped for or imagined on that day or that night he was coming back from fishing. I mean, it's incredible to receive what Jesus was doing for him, but then on top of that, to be invited into the call of making that known through himself and inviting other people into that. He was inviting him, he's inviting us all to be fisher of people, which by the way, gets kind of lost to us in our English. The English doesn't get it across. And the, the Greek word really means to free people to life, to rescue them into life. That's the great purpose that Jesus invites you and me into if we're followers of his. Uh, this fall, we're getting ready to make a big push. As we mentioned earlier, we're going to be 
for the first time, really, making ourselves known in this community, which we haven't formally done. Really, we, we're going to send out a mailer. Uh, we're going to be doing a vision series we're calling The Future is Bright, which I'm really excited about because as it seems like in the world, things are getting bleaker and bleaker. In Christ, that is, that is anything but. We're going to be talking about uh, that wonderful news. Would you be praying would you join us in praying for this time as we kind of, you know, just lock arms and, and do this together? And would you commit to thinking about people that you might bring into the fold? In fact, if you could pull out your three by five card again, what I encourage you to do, again, no one's going to check up on you on this, but maybe on the other side, if you haven't doodled on it, uh, you can write three names of people that you would commit to praying for and, 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 and looking for opportunities as God leads to invite them out, to to have a spiritual conversation, whatever the case may be, but three names. When we were meeting in a living room at Current, I mean, you know, when, when, before Current launched, this is almost six years ago, uh, took us about a year to launch and that sort of thing, but about six years ago, we were meeting in a living room, and we did this exercise just kind of for fun, and there's, I don't know how many of us were there, but not many, <laughs> you know, a little section here, um, and, and we all said, okay, let's write on this, this three by five card, three names of people that we'll commit to praying for, and we'll invite out we are going to be celebrating the baptism of a person's name who was written on a card six years ago in September. You think about that. <laughs> you think about that. It's like this gal wrote, she's not even a part of the church anymore. She and now her husband have moved uh, to a different part of the country for work. But she wrote down a name. She committed to thinking about, praying about, looking for opportunities. And he's put his faith in Jesus. And now we're going to celebrate his baptism in September. It's like, could you imagine if we all write our we all write names down, what God could potentially do. I mean, it's all God anyways, right? He has to do the miracle. Greater than p fish coming to the surface during the day to be caught on the other side of the boat. But that's what he calls us to do as we are outward focused. Uh, like the fishermen out there on the lake today, we have just been absolutely astonished at what God has been doing. This is all to God's glory. But since we've been meeting in person, just Sarah, hopefully this will encourage you. Since we've been meeting in person after the pandemic, now nine people have put their faith in Jesus. Praise God for that, huh? Let's pray. Let's continue. We, 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 we are prayerfully in faith expecting that the best is yet to come. Not because of anything we've got figured out or ingenuity or, hey, even this community's fun and awesome. Not that, no. For the sake of God and his mission, what he's called us to do, to put out the loving love of Christ that we have been so graciously able to receive ourselves. So would you join us in that, in these ways as we move into this next season, looking to be outward focused? Now let's pray. Father, thank you so much that Jesus went, that Jesus came. And that's true not only of Peter and those fishermen in the crowd, it's actually because through them, down the ages, You've continued to do so, and you reached us. And we are just like Peter, if, if, if even on that plane, Lord, to the place of like, if we really understand it, yes, Lord, <laughs> in, in a way, it's like, depart from us, for we are sinners, but we're so thankful that the gospel is you came to break through and to bring us back into relationship with you. Father, if there's anybody here today who feels a tugging on your heart to receive what you've done for them on the cross, dying for their sins and raising again to life that they, would, they too would have forever life with you. I pray that 
this would be the moment, even now, that they receive you in prayer and say, yes, Lord, I receive you as Savior and as Lord. I want to make you the ruler of my life. I might not understand all that means, but what I do understand of the person of Jesus, I want to follow him. And friend, if that's you, would you let us know by writing on the card or stopping by the welcome team? We'd love to get you resourced and just come alongside you if you're comfortable. And then, Father, for those of us who who are followers of you, Lord, to be real, thinking about being fishers of people, bringing, rescuing people unto life, being outward focused, it, it can be daunting. It can be a little scary, let alone in a place like the Silicon Valley. But Lord, we just hear and now say that we're in awe of what you have been doing in this place, through this church, not because of who we are, but because of your goodness and your mission, your heart. So Father, as we move into the fall, we pray for a special moving that you would do even greater things for your glory and to bring more of our sisters and brothers into your family. Would you use us in this way? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.